Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. Before I get this show going, I want to give a quick plug to my TikTok. If there is any crossover on the demographic between the people listening to this show and TikTok users, go follow me just at Paul Fritchner, all one word, just my name, on TikTok. I'm going to start posting some more college basketball video content on there. I think you all might enjoy. So if you have TikTok or just want to use it, go on and give me a follow. Let's get into college basketball. Xavier ranked number 13 in the AP poll on Monday. UConn is 19th, which sets up Wednesday night's game at 630 between number 13 Xavier and number 19 UConn to talk about that game and more. I have Rick Broering on with me right now, publisher of musketeerreport.com and NKU's radio analyst. This is generally the Tuesday morning episode. And Rick, thanks for being with me as always every week. We talked last week about NKU and UK a lot. Let's talk some about Xavier now this week, especially coming off a roller coaster week for the Musketeers last week where they beat DePaul, or rather lose to DePaul, and then beat Georgetown in what was supposed to be an easy week for Xavier. So what were some of your biggest takeaways from the week, and what should Xavier fans be, one, worried about, and two, not all that worried about? Well, I know you already talked about the, the recap of the game, so I won't go into too much detail in terms of that, but I think everyone in Xavier land is talking about defense this week and Xavier struggles on that side of the court. It showed up really more so against Georgetown than it did in the loss to DePaul, but it, the, the defense has been so bad really all season that in that DePaul loss, there were still plenty of instances of poor defense uh, to where that bothered fans. But really, I thought in the DePaul game, their biggest issue was the fact that you had two of your best players, Suley Boom and Colby Jones, really probably the two best players on the team, play terribly on the offensive side. And when I say play terribly, I don't mean they were just missing some open looks that they normally make. I mean, these guys couldn't make layups. And they were four for 26 combined, I believe, in that game. That's not going to happen very often. So to me, that was the biggest issue in the DePaul game. And then, of course, against Georgetown, you saw some really poor defense, especially trying to guard Primo Spears, Georgetown's point guard. But overall, Xavier was still able to outscore the Hoyos and come out with another win. Yeah, When you look at how Xavier played in that DePaul game as compared to how they played in the Georgetown game, was there anything that stuck out to you that adjusted in that in those short couple of days or was it just that Xavier got back on track yeah no there wasn't really anything different other than I think they had an easier time scoring against Georgetown than they did DePaul DePaul did a better job defensively probably uh some fans noted on our regular weekly podcast about Xavier that DePaul played a zone defense a matchup zone defense in the second half a little bit and that gave Xavier some trouble although I think most of those issues were more related to Xavier missing shots than they were struggling to find good looks against that defense so I don't know that that's something that's going to be a trend against Xavier seeing opponents use a zone defense effectively but I do think that was one wrinkle in that game that that was different in the Georgetown game they just they just scored a lot easier against Georgetown so do you think that the DePaul game is more of a blip on the radar or is that potentially a trend now in the way that this season is going I think it's more so a blip on the radar. Now, there are concerns about this Xavier team, chief among them being the defense. But again, the defense wasn't the main issue in the DePaul game. I think the other thing that you saw in the DePaul game, though, is there isn't a lot of depth for this team in terms of 
their production. If they have a bad night from a couple of their top guys, and you could say this about most teams in the country, but definitely about the Xavier team, if they have an off night or someone gets in foul trouble or someone gets hurt, they do have a major drop-off when they start going to the bench. So I think maybe that's the trend there from the DePaul game. But in, in terms of like our Sule Boom and Colby Jones going to go four for 26 again in the same game and miss layups, I doubt that's going to happen very often. Now Xavier's going to have to go on the road. They go to Connecticut on Wednesday night at 6.30 and then a noon tip-off against Creighton on Saturday. A lot of the narrative now has shifted for Xavier to where hey, can you go out? Can you win games on the road? And they have a chance to prove that narrative either correct or incorrect this week. It's all laid out on the table in front of them. How much stock, Rick, do you put into that narrative? And how much do you think these games mean to Xavier as a whole this year? Well, I put a ton of stock into the narrative, just that it's hard to win on the road anywhere in any conference in this country. But especially when you play in the Big East, look across the conference. There's not a lot of road wins happening uh, for anyone. So I don't think that's an indictment on Xavier and a clear sign that they're fading or they're a bad team if they lose some of these road games against top competition. But you do need to hold serve at home the rest of the way. That's a definite. And the, the home court advantage has been good. They've played very well at home for the most part this year. So I, I think they can do that. And then you hope they can go out and steal one or two games on the road that maybe they're not supposed to win. And I think this team is definitely capable of that. Yeah, I mentioned that on yesterday's show. If you go undefeated at home and then you win two road games, that puts you at 15-5, and five, which is right there in the Big East title race. You can win that game against Butler at Hinkle, potentially win that game uh, out in New Jersey at Seton Hall. There's your two road wins, and then, hey, you get one more maybe this week, and now all of a sudden you're looking at potentially a 16-4 and four type of season. So it's all right there in front of you if you're Xavier Rick, any other takeaways before we talk about NKU and UK a little bit here? Anything else about Xavier that you can think of that stands out from you in a week like that where those were on paper your easiest two back-to-back games the rest of the season? Yeah, I didn't see I don't think there's uh really any other huge takeaways. I think we all went into that stretch assuming they would go 2 and 0, but we were also looking at the four or five games before that and thinking it'd be great if they went 3 and 2. And they went 5-0 in all of them, right? So they they built themselves some wiggle room into last week. It's not great that it happened against DePaul. You'd like to lose that game to someone a little bit better. But look, Villanova is a, a quad three game if you lose to them at home. So a quad three loss is a quad three loss. I don't think it matters that much that it came to DePaul. As long as you don't have more than maybe one more slip up along the way, I don't think it's really going to cost Xavier much in terms of their seed line. NKU, Rick. Starting to get the job done at home like we talked about last week. Like we said, they needed to winning these four games at home before they go on the road most of the rest of the season. What impressed you from the past few days of thrilling buzzer beating win on Thursday and then more comfortable win over the weekend? Well, first of all, Paul, just think about the games that have happened at Truist Arena this year. Yes, you opened with the blowout loss to Kent State, but then since then, you've beat Cincinnati in really would end up kind of being a blowout, a 13-point win, one of the very few convincing wins that has happened this year at Truist Arena. Then you have back-to-back double overtime wins over Tennessee Tech, Youngstown State. Then you beat Robert Morris by four in a game that came down to its final possession. Then you beat Eastern Kentucky 64-61 in a game that came down to the final possession. You need a brilliant defensive block by Chris Brandon uh, on Eastern Kentucky's final possession to win that game. Um, Then you have the Wright State win, which was – a rivalry game and a convincing one, but again, a fun game for fans. Uh, you 
then play Detroit Mercy, a two-point win in overtime. And you have this Cleveland State game, which is what we were talking about on Thursday. That just happened. And it really felt like NKU had let one slip away in the final minutes of that one. And then somehow with six seconds left on the clock, they they bring it up the floor. And, and some fans who pay attention to college basketball a lot will remember the Villanova play from the 2016 championship game where Archie Diacono came up and pitched it back to Chris Jenkins at the buzzer for the three. It was a very similar, really the same concept that NKU ran to get their game winner. But I will also say that did not originate. That concept did not originate in that Villanova championship game. If you go back to 2008, the NCAA tournament first round game between Western Kentucky and Drake, one of the best NCAA tournament games that no one ever talks about. It went into overtime and Western Kentucky won on a buzzer beater with that exact same play. And do you know who the coach of that Western Kentucky team was at that time? I'm going to guess it's Darren Horn. None other than NKU current NKU coach Darren Horn. So he's been using that exact play for a long time, and it worked out perfectly in this instance. And it actually worked out even better that Marquez Work bobbles the pass back from Sam Vincent in the moment, allows a defender to fly past him first, and then gets it off just in time at the buzzer. So a brilliant, brilliant recovery there in the final seconds of that game to come away with a win. It was disappointing that they didn't play better in that game, Paul, but maybe that was the wake-up call that they needed because they turned around a few nights later on Saturday and they blew out Purdue-Fort Wayne by 20. This is a Purdue-Fort Wayne team that was picked along with NKU to to finish first in the conference. Those two teams were tied in the preseason polls and uh, they were a team that last year won the conference. So this is a, a legit team, a team that's experienced. They brought almost everyone back from last year except for one of their guards, Jalen Pipkins, and uh, uh, NKU rather really gave them the work. I mean, they just dominated that game from start to finish. So that could be a good sign of things to come for the Norse. Kentucky, Rick, maybe they've turned a corner. Who knows? A win over Tennessee, then Georgia, and then they hand Texas A&M their first loss in SEC play. Now it's a big week for the Wildcats. They have Vanderbilt tomorrow. We'll talk more about that in a second before Kansas this weekend on Saturday. This is a huge litmus test week for Kentucky. Are they back? Or eh, are they not back? Well, I think we'll find that out this week. It really is a huge week for them. And they I think the big change for Kentucky is they've focused on a trimmed down lineup that really involves their five or six best players. That means a lot of Case and Wallace at point guard. That means a lot of CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves playing together. And then you've got Toppin and Shibway. Sometimes they're rotating out that forward spot. You can bring Chris Livingston in a little bit, but for the most part, those are the guys that they've been rolling with and the ball's been moving better. The offense as a whole has just had more chemistry. So I do think they're finding something here and they're starting to turn a corner. But the real problem that I see for them this week is they're going up against a Kansas team that has lost three games in a row. And they're going to be hungry. They just lost at Baylor on uh, Monday night. This is going to be a big matchup. And you're right. It's so big for Kentucky to prove that, hey, that like we're real. We're back. We're a contender. But Kansas is going to be so hungry for a win as well. That's just going to be a massive matchup for both teams on Saturday. Rick, thanks so much. I appreciate it. As always, here on a Monday night going into Tuesday morning when everybody's listening to this. So we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Paul. In action tonight, Miami is at Akron as significant underdogs tip there is at 7 o'clock. Kentucky is also on the road tonight. We just mentioned them with Rick. They're playing a Vanderbilt team who doesn't have a great win this year, but 
They played a bunch of close games, especially at home. That game tips at nine on the SEC network. Fairly quiet Monday night around the country last night. There were a couple of good games. Uh, Northwestern held on late to beat Wisconsin 66 to 63. Duke still Duke's best win this year is against Xavier. They did not win on the road at Virginia Tech. If you don't remember, Virginia Tech much better than their record might suggest on the season. Hokies get it done at home, beating Duke by three and in the nightcap in a game that tipped at nine o'clock last night. A real exciting one that Baylor pretty much controlled throughout. Baylor beating Kansas, as Rick just mentioned, 75-69. to Teams went on a scoring drought about midway through the second half, but Baylor held on in the end. They just kept Kansas at an arm's length all night long. The Bears, a team that nobody's going to want to face in March, such, such an experienced team. Paul's pick of the day, presented by Betfred Sportsbook, had a chance to get even last night but couldn't extend that win streak to four. And now the record stands at nine and 11 on the year. The over in Kansas and Baylor was looking great. But like I said, both teams just went cold there with about eight minutes left in the second half. Looking to bounce back tonight. I'm going to take a shot here. We talk about Kansas or uh, we, yeah, we talk about Kansas and Kentucky this weekend is Kentucky back. I think Ohio state needs one at Illinois tonight. I'm going to take Ohio state plus four right now on the road at Illinois. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great Tuesday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.